Ryan, I really like to start episodes with an inspirational quote wherever I can. You know, it's good to be inspired when you start your day. And, yeah. you know, it's, uh, I, I saw a great one. Actually, you sent me this one yesterday. So I'm excited to, to start out with this inspirational quote of the day. Uh, so this quote, my biggest regret in my career doesn't involve calling my GM a cracker or showing up to Raiders camp late in a hot air balloon with frozen feet or throwing rocks at that UPS driver. And it definitely doesn't involve taking my shirt off and doing a victory lap around the Jets stadium mid game while throwing up deuces. My biggest regret is that I'll never get to see me, Antonio Brown, play a game live. Sure, I can watch that game afterwards, but I can't imagine what that was like for you all to see something like that. Like watching the Beatles or Jesus perform at Red Rocks. Antonio Brown on his biggest regret. Posted by Antonio Brown yesterday on, on, his, Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. on his Twitter. So there's two things that are funny about this. One, if if Antonio Brown, if that was a direct quote from Antonio Brown, I would absolutely one million percent believe it. But, and this is the second funny thing about it, apparently... Someone made that – that's a Kanye West quote that someone on Reddit or something like edited to make it sound like Antonio Brown said it. But what's funny about that is that Antonio Brown saw it and claimed it as his own. <laughs> so you might as well have said it. Just leaning into it right there. And yeah. It, it, you know, it's Kanye and Antonio Brown are very similar people, at least headspace-wise. Yeah, they – uh it's it's sad, man. Like I don't know, it, it bums me out because they're two so, so they're such talented people. But like, yeah, something something's uh, not quite right. Yeah, they're you know things just there's some screws loose. We'll just say that and leave that there. But there's just so many things to pull apart here. Like for instance, what would Jesus perform at Red Rocks? Did I was thinking about that? Jesus shred an axe like. <laughs> As far as Maybe I know, he, would... <laughs> he was a, a carpenter, and if you listen to the kids in the hall, a bad carpenter, and he was, uh, he could turn water into wine, and, you know, he could uh, give a good, pretty good speech, but, you know, I don't, is he singing that speech? Is he rapping that speech? Rapping Jesus sounds like something from a terrible Midwest church. Maybe he would sing that song that uh, Tim Tebow was singing when he was mic'd up that one day. Our God is an awesome God, we pray. Oh my god! I, 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 I never heard that one, but I think I tried to keep my head down and ignore Tim Tebow during his NFL career wherever possible. Oh boy, Tim Tebow, man! Let me tell you, there's when he was mic'd up for an episode of like I don't know something on NFL Network, he was singing that song and it was the funniest thing. I'm like, wow, he really is like that all the time. Was he was like funnier, warming up. Was it funnier than his throwing motion? Well, that's what makes it even funnier. He was singing it as he was doing the throwing motion. Like, he was warming up his arm. That, and he was singing no like, point, church Tim. songs. There's no point in warming up that arm because you can't throw, dude. <laughs> Poor Tim Tebow. No, Remember that one I have, year he was with the no, Eagles? Remember no, one year yeah. he was with the Eagles and he, I like, I try kind to of... forget it. I try to forget uh. it all the time. I have no sympathy for Tim Tebow. That guy that, that I'm using air quotes right now, that virgin 
definitely had one of the best college experiences ever. And didn't he have like a five-year college career? He was like, yeah, he was one of those quarterbacks. like Super um, senior. Yeah. Like Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was in college for like 30 years. And he's not even, he's like 22 years old, but he still figured it out. And um, Beyond his age. Yeah. And then like JT Barrett. JT Barrett was there forever. And it's just, yeah, he was like one of those just forever college players. He knew where he was valued. He knew where he was. He tried in the NFL. He had like two good games. That one Denver Broncos was in a playoff game. And against the that Steelers. That was pretty much it. Yeah. Against the that Steelers. Was, but that was, back I gotta say, Brown. <laughs> that was awesome though. It was, that was, it was pretty fun. Right. Yeah. It was, it was, a, it was pretty fun. It was, but then he went right back to earth because he's just, it wasn't good at the NFL level and he couldn't make it as a linebacker. He couldn't make it as a quarterback. And, uh, you know. He's no Colt McCoy, Steve. He's no Colt McCoy. He's He's no no, Colt McCoy. He's no Antonio Brown. And the thing about Antonio Brown reposting this is, while a very, very good receiver and a very terrible person, he's not exactly the kind of athlete to be saying this. Like, I, I, I don't think he's the kind of... The way he plays the game, while very good, it's kind of like his last quarterback, Tom Brady, where... Tom Brady, you know, is great at the game, right? But he's not exactly, like, the most exciting player to watch play it. <laughs> when you watch Tom Brady, he's just, like, a regular-ass quarterback, right? It's not, yeah. He's not an electrifying guy. And I don't really feel like Antonio Brown is... Uh, he doesn't have grounds to this type of braggadocio over here. Like, Randy Moss. Sure, Randy Moss was a spectacular receiver, and... One of the best NFL games I've ever seen live was Randy Moss versus Terrell Owens, two of the just best receivers of their era and just amazing physical wide receivers to watch play. Yeah. And then, like, I don't know, it's it's like there was that and I don't know, it's just it's a shame. I I always feel bad and I kind of felt the same way now that you brought up Terrell Owens. Like, I kind of feel bad about Terrell Owens, too, because I feel like he's another one of those players who... Like, I guess it's a little more justified for Antonio Brown, but, like, I feel like a lot of people thought Terrell Owens, like, had something wrong with him. Terrell Owens, I mean, I love T.O., and uh, I think he's had a a nice, like, you know, come down period since he retired and everything. But nobody who doesn't have something a little weird going on up top uh, does crunches in their sidewalk for the press. See that. See that in their was driveway. Yeah, like don't get me wrong. He would did you some do bizarre that, Ryan? <laughs> Which? Oh, absolutely not. Would absolutely you do not. Crunches in your driveway <laughs> for the press instead of showing up the train again. No, I don't think you would. No, I would not do that. I used to hate To for like years. I hated him. Sure. And now I have a. I almost like love him now. No, it's I, weird. I, he's fantastic. He was. I. I think, as far as being an Eagles fan, had just some of the worst wide receivers in history have played right. for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm specifically <laughs> thinking of the James Thrash, Todd Pinkston era, just absolutely brutal to watch. So when you do have an actual special player at that position, you treasure that player. So T.O., absolutely special guy, loved watching him in that year and a half, basically. Yeah. Uh and then Deshaun Jackson, I think, to uh, – I don't want to say a lesser extent, but because Deshaun Jackson was one of the most electrifying wide receivers I've ever seen here. Just absolutely yeah. great. But like, we're usually fortunate enough to just have, like, 
if you look at Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith, fantastic players, right? But they they're not T.O. They're not T.O. They're not Randy yeah. Moss. And I'm thinking about other players that could justify like a quote like that. Like I think Calvin Johnson, Megatron, absolutely could have justified that. What an amazing wide receiver. Or looking right. at the running back position, Barry Sanders, right? Barry Sanders, just a guy who knew he was better than the team he was on retired early because of it and one of the most stunning players i've ever watched play the game but then you also have guys like like emmett smith is probably known as one of the best running backs of all time but emmett smith was not really a fun guy to watch play he yeah just and he played for the cowboys more. and he, he, we don't like he played for yeah. the cowboys so you know suck shit and then on top <laughs> of that he played behind one of the best offensive lines of all time but he was like a very meat and potatoes running back Right there. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I'm saying is like Antonio Brown, really good player. Uh, we're If we're just talking about football, we're not talking about off the field antics and there's plenty of them, but he's not Randy Moss. You know, Randy Moss is like one of the most spectacular guys to ever watch play the game because he would leap up and make these incredible plays. And like, if you also think like, okay, Tom Brady is probably the greatest quarterback <laughs> of all time, but like. He's not the most exciting quarterback. I I don't even like Mike Vick's style of play that much, but Mike Vick might be the most exciting quarterback to ever watch play because he would go back there and just like his speed was unparalleled. Did Randy Moss ever Spartan kick somebody in the face though? That's fair. I don't, as far as I know, he hasn't. (laughs) That was that I will, I think about that every day. Like it's it's so funny to me. And then he got flagged for it and it was just oh man. I I think about that play so so much. And like here's my thing with with Antonio Brown. Like if he continued his pace and you know, let's pretend he stayed on the Steelers and he just kept going on that pace that he was on, it does make you wonder like how much like what would his stats, what would his numbers look like now if he, you know, Kept his eye on the prize with Pittsburgh. Sure. I mean, that's a bunch of what ifs out there. And one of the biggest ones that I wonder about almost daily, I just look up and I think, what if Eric Lindros had been healthy? And, you know, it's that segue. I I saw this. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I I saw this on Twitter. I unfortunately forget who had posted this, but they're talking about athletes who are big, you know, some of the biggest what ifs they had stayed healthy. And I I know Kelly had replied and said, easy Eric Lindros. And I always think about this. I think about this constantly because he's somebody that I feel fortunate enough to have gotten me into the game of hockey. Like when I first, when I was a young Steve getting into hockey was the mid nineties. <laughs> and that's when Eric Lindros was at the height of his powers. And I, you know, it's still a guy I think about constantly. He is pretty much my, besides all the concussion issues and everything, like he is an ideal hockey player for what I want to see as a Philadelphia Flyers fan out there. Somebody who could fight and hit and score and had incredible hands and just the full package right there. And the main reason I bring up Big E today, who is, again, a guy I feel fortunate enough to have seen play in his career, like seeing Jesus performing at Red Rocks like he often would do, (laughs) shredding on his uh, guitar over there. But I bring it up because The Athletic had an article today, I think it was Kevin Kurtz, uh, which was a look back at the Eric Lindros trade. It's been... 30 years since the Eric Lindros trade, which is crazy to think about. Wow. Just crazy. Oh, wow. But, man, it's I, I'm old as shit is really what it comes down to. But 
30 years since the Eric Lindros trade. Just a, a little boy. Watch. I actually had no idea. I mean, I had played Mites on Ice at that point, but I wasn't following the Flyers. I was too young. Didn't have the internet like today, you know. Back before the internet. and <laughs> Back in my day. Back in my day. And then, like, it's crazy just to think about all the details on this trade and just everything that went into it. The players that went to the, the old Quebec Nordiques, which I found out means Northmen today or Northerners. Wow. I didn't know that. that. I didn't wow. either. I had to look it up because I was like, what the hell is a Nordique? And it's not like their logo is exactly telling you what a Nordique is. <laughs> yeah, Canadian. I don't even know what the what. It's just the igloo. Those Canadian logos, man, like, except for the Leafs, because they're very straightforward, and I guess the Senators, but, you know, the Montreal Canadiens for the longest time, I'm like, what is that? Is that a CH? Yeah. I don't understand. And then the Canucks sometimes have the most obscure logo in hockey, where it's just like the square and the stick, which I love, but it's a rectangle and a stick. It's it's weird, right? It's weird. And uh, <laughs> Well, isn't it supposed to be a C? I have no like idea. A- is that what it's supposed to be? It doesn't look like a goddamn C. It's like that, and this the hockey stick is supposed to like make it look like a C. It doesn't. It, it fails, but I it, like it. It doesn't. Yeah, no, it's a very odd. Yeah, <laughs> I like it regardless. I like it regardless. But going to the Quebec Nordiques in that trade was Steve Duchesne, Peter Forsberg, Ron Hextall, Kerry Huffman, Mike Ricci, Chris Simon, Philly's first round pick in 93, the Flyers' first round pick in 94, and $15 million in 1992 money. <laughs> you have to say it like uh, the guy from... Um, oh my God, Dr. Evil? Dr. Evil, I'm yeah. Not, I refuse. I'm not saying... we. I just did Fat Bastard last week. I'm not doing Dr. <laughs> yeah, Evil we this did. week. <laughs> I forgot we did Fat I'll Bastard. I'll do it like Fat Bastard week. if you want. I'll do it. Uh, Fifteen million dollars. Get in my belly. Oh my god, I hate myself. Fifteen but, million dollars. God damn it. You did the doctor yes. anyway. You disobeyed me. You're off the pot. <laughs> you're off the pot. No, you're not off the pot. You're you're a beauty. But what a crazy trade to think about. And the the New York Rangers had so famously, if you're not that familiar with this trade, an arbitrator had to come in and decide between the Rangers and the Flyers offers because the Flyers had an agreement in place. And th- this is a so the article with Kevin Kurtz uh, talks to Jay Snyder, who was an integral part of the negotiations there. And that's Ed Snyder's uh, son, Jay Snyder. And he has like old like yellow lined paper notes and everything like legal pad notes from a hotel room it's pretty good it's cool to look at and the thing is the rangers had an offer and this was their offer tony amante alexei kovalev sergey nemchinov i forget exactly how to pronounce his name unfortunately james patrick either mike richter or john van beesbrook undisclosed multiple first round draft picks and 20 million dollars and the flyers had an agreement in place and then the nordiques made the agreement with the Rangers and told the Flyers they were going to go with the Rangers offer and the Flyers took them to arbitration and the arbitrator decided on the Flyers. And obviously this was a huge deal because this affected all three of those franchises and guess which one did not win a cup out of the three of them? The Flyers, naturally. Of course. (laughs) The Rangers almost immediately won a cup and because they kept everybody and just Amante and Kovalev alone is a, a huge you know, part of that deal. And if they had given away Mike Richter, I mean, Mike Richter is probably their second best goaltender in franchise history after Henrik Lundqvist. And guess what? Richter flower towns, Mike Richter won a cup (laughs) for the King. 
for the handsome king. No, he's <laughs> handsome. He plays guitar. He's doing great. We don't have to feel bad for him. No, not at all. I really don't. It's just a wild, like one of the most, the biggest blockbuster deals of all time. And my favorite part from the article was finding out that Ed Snyder apparently snuck a cell phone, a what 1992 cell phone that was probably the size of like a cinder I don't block. Know, and yeah, <laughs> it was just cinder block. He <laughs> like snuck a, a 1992 cell phone into his operation for thyroid cancer surgery. How did he sneak it in there? I don't know. I don't want. Oh my god. Well, I, I think I think it's because he's rich and he just said, I mean, here's yeah. some money. Let me bring this in. But Keep apparently they overheard him from recovery saying, I don't care who the fuck they are. This deal is going through. Yeah. Good but God, just, man. I didn't know that about Ed Snyder. What a I just found this out today. I, it's not that surprising to me because, again, Ed Snyder, his number one priority in life was the Philadelphia Flyers, which is why yeah. he's beloved here. But it's. It's one of the funniest things I've heard about Snyder that he's just like going into surgery and he's like, well, we got to get this Lindros deal done. I, I wish I was around because this happened. When did this happen? 91? 92. 92. Okay. So still Hence like, the 30 years. Oh yeah. Would you look at that? Um, oh, wow. I was, math is difficult. I'll tell you what. Um, I was born in 93. So like I, this happened before I was born and I just like. I wish I was like sentient when this happened because it I can't even imagine what that day must have felt like. Oh, I can't either. And because this happened, <laughs> I was too young to really follow any of this. So I, I didn't even really know. About, I didn't really start regularly watching the Flyers until a couple of years later when they made their run in, I think it was 94, 95, and they lost to Claude Lemieux and the Devils, which stunk. But yeah. I, I started watching that with the Legion of Doom and everything, and it was just you know, my favorite players, but it just didn't work out. But just what a monster deal. It must have felt really crazy. And looking back, looking back at what the Flyers gave up, really the only guy that I regret giving up is Peter Forsberg. Because Peter Forsberg would go on, and they talk a lot about this in the article, just about the, the franchises, you know, there was some hesitancy to give up Forsberg, and I believe one gentleman said that he wouldn't have even done the deal one for one, which, yeah, looking back, yeah, if you have Peter Forsberg and you don't have to give up any of that shit, then yeah, you're golden, but nobody knew. Lindros seemed like as much of a slam dunk, next level prospect as you were going to get. He's yeah. like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, like 230, 240 pounds, like this is a huge guy who can skate and shoot yeah like, and to be fair he was a slam dunk prospect like he yeah. was that good you know it's just he's a hall injuries. of famer you know yeah he's literally one of the best to ever play like there was a time where people could argue that he was the best in the world you know sure. and he won the heart f- that you know he's only one of two flyers to ever win the heart yeah and so it's just like you know <sighs> yeah you can look back at at it in hindsight and say, oh, they shouldn't have done it. They, you know, if they kept Forsberg, it would have been so much better. But like, they also, at the time, they didn't, like, how can you predict the injuries that he was going to suffer? And like, yeah, I don't know. Like, that's one of those trades where like, in hindsight, you'd say, yeah, I would have done it differently. But like, in the moment, like, I, I still don't. It's like, it's like the Ryan Ellis trade. Like, it sucks the way it's turned out. But like, I still like the trade. You know sure. what I mean? It was like a good trade. And that's kind of how I feel about the uh, um, Eric Lindros trade, too. Well, and they talk a lot in the article about 
you know, the the franchise had been through a period, much like today, where they hadn't made the playoffs in a couple of years, and they worried about attendance dipping. Attendance already dipped here, but back then, attendance was staying strong, but, you know, there was a chance that it could dip, and they were worried about that, and they were looking forward to building the Wells Fargo Center. Hadn't even been built yet, wasn't even you know, fully planned out, but they were planning it. Spectrum Troop 2 is what they were calling it back then. And it was a concern to have somebody to put asses in those seats, somebody to keep the fans engaged and happy. And also, you know, you don't want to miss out if you think there's a Gretzky out there. Like, let's say for some reason, yeah. Connor Bedard, right? Let's say he I was just thinking about this. Refuses to go to whatever team gets the, let's say Arizona gets the first pick, right? And Bedard <laughs> says, there's not a chance in hell I'm going to play for the Coyotes. So the Coyotes are forced, which could happen, to be totally honest with you. I wouldn't be shocked if this scenario did happen because why would you want to play for a team that has relegated itself to playing in a 5,000-seat college arena that nobody gives a shit about? Why would you? But we'll see what happens. But let's say there is this and there has to be a monster package out there. And sadly, Ed Snyder, not around, but I would hope that the Flyers would do everything they could to get the next big prospect, the next big name, somebody that is as close to a slam dunk that you're going to get in the NHL draft, which is largely a huge crapshoot. You know, it would be something, Steve. What if the Flyers win the lottery and they get the first overall pick? And the Flyers are the team that Connor Bedard says, I refuse to play for that team. Well, I'm going to quit hockey. <laughs> I would quit. I would definitely quit hockey forever. If, if that was the case, <laughs> if the Flyers were got that first pick and he said no, I think I would just stop watching hockey. <laughs> I think that might be it. So if you're hearing this, Connor Bedard, moves your, moves in your balls in your court. You better. Yeah. Although I will say, if that were to happen and he said I refuse to come to the Flyers. Imagine, like, the bidding war that other teams would, like, start up to try and get the first overall pick from the Flyers. Sure. But like, I'm, I've, the return let's, the Flyers let's imagine this for the Coyotes, right? Where you gotta, yeah. like, you'd have to give up basically half a roster. And you can't just give them $15 million, like, back then. Yeah. Which the Coyotes would gladly take. Gladly. I mean, they need... They need like $15, let alone $15 million. I guess the thing is, like, do you think it's ultimately worth it to make these kind of trades to get a superstar or, you know, because the Flyers did give up some good pieces. Like Mike Ricci, for instance, not the greatest player in NHL history. I certainly wouldn't have taken him over Yarmir Yager. Why Flyers? Why? But... Mike Ricci was a very useful player, really good San Jose Shark for a while, and he was good on those Avalanche teams and Nordiques teams for a bit. Uh, Chris Simon, well, he could punch some guys in the face, that's for sure, and he had great hair. And, you know, Hexy, I mean, Hexy would be back like two years later, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. It makes me, like, talking about trades like this, it makes me think of, um, you remember the Ricky Williams trade? When the Saints yes. traded, like, literally every one of their draft picks to get Ricky Williams. Oh, how could I forget the Ricky Williams trade where the former mayor of Philadelphia drove a caravan of people down to the NFL draft to try to get the <laughs> yeah. Eagles to pick Ricky Williams instead of Donovan McNabb? How could I forget that? Crazy. But, like, like that's what it makes me. It makes you wonder, 
you ask questions like, was it worth it? And like, for that instance, absolutely not. It was totally not worth it. That was just insane. But like, um, that was Mike like, Ditka, right? Mike Ditka with uh, his Ditka, second act yeah. with the uh, dolphins over there. Yeah. And then there was that famous issue Ditka. of uh, ESPN magazine with um, Ditka and like the bride and groom. groomsmen. Yeah. The, <laughs> that was so what a weird. weird time. What a weird time right there. <laughs> but I don't know, like trades like that, the Eric Lindros trade, like, and people are going to be having the same conversation about this uh, Matthew Kachuk trade too. You know, like years down the road, like people are already, I've heard multiple people say at this point, like, this is the biggest trade of the modern NHL era. And I don't like, I don't know about that yet, but like, it's the biggest trade. It's a big one. Yeah. It's a big one. It's huge. And like, um, people are going to be talking about this trade for a long time. And that's going to be one of those trades where people are going to look back at it and think, wow, like that was, that was insane. Oh, for sure. For sure. I just, it's stunning to look at just the sheer magnitude of players that went in this trade. And you can't do this in the cap era either, because you have to get more one-to-one contracts going back and forth and everything. Whereas like, then it's just like, here's a bunch of money, make it happen. Here's a bunch of shit. And that's why the Flyers can't operate in today's modern NHL because they can't just throw money at their problems. I just want to run down some of the Lindros numbers here. So in his time with the Flyers, he had 659 points in 486 games played, 290 goals, 369 assists. Almost nice. Top flyer in history in points per game with 1.36 points per game. The next closest is Tim Carr with 1.08, Brian Propp 1.07, Clark with 1.06, Recky with 1.04, and Leclerc with 0.99. So just, I mean it's the potential's right there in the points per game you know just what a staggering number to think about somebody who's averaging almost a point and a half per game playing for the flyers because the closest we've had since then and i think this is the case for you know probably you and a lot of the younger fans coming up is claude Giroux coming up as you know yeah. he didn't have the dominance he didn't have the size of a lindros but drew put up some great numbers for some shit ass teams well i mean Giroux was dominant, just in a different way that Lindros was. Like, I feel like Lindros was more, like, physically, imposingly dominant. And Giroux was much more, like, dominant in a more, I don't know, finesse-type way. Like, I would I would argue that Giroux was a dominant player, wasn't he? He, he, I, he had his moments. Like, specifically the season where he should have won the heart completely right. robbed that season. He had like two or three really dominant years and it should have been more. And I, I still blame the Flyers for not giving him the supporting cast. You know, one of the things that Jay Snyder talks about in that article today is a reluctance to give up Rod Brindamore, which at one point the Nordiques had asked for both Brindamore and Forsberg because he knew that the rebuild needed somebody like Brindamore in there. Brindamore, just a, a spectacular like two-way player, somebody you want to talk about Mr. Philadelphia as a hockey player, it's Rod Brindamore, you know, who's uh, Mr. Right. Hart Hustle. And you know what I found out this week? Rod Brindamore's first name is Roderick. How about that? Unreal. <laughs> Unreal. I didn't know Rod. I would not. <laughs> I would have guessed Rodney or something. I just, I went my entire life not knowing that it was Roderick Brindamore. But <laughs> there's a reason he goes by Rod. Next, you're going to tell me that his middle name isn't the Bod. It's, it is. It's legally the Bod. <laughs> if it's not actually what is his middle name now i'm kind of curious well, well why don't you look that up and while you're looking that up i mean claude Giroux 
I, what I'm trying to say, I'm not trying to shit on Claude Giroux. I'm just trying to say that, like, he's, I think the Flyers went, they had some nice franchise pieces between Lindros and Drew, but I think Simone Gagne is the closest you get, and Gagne is a, a nice complimentary player to guys like Forsberg and Primo and everything. I really like Simone Gagne, but between Giroux and Lindros, there really isn't anybody of that caliber. I mean, Mike Richards was a face of the franchise guy, but he wasn't a dominant player offensively like Drew or Lindros. What a, you know, Drew is the most recent fra- face of the franchise. And what I was trying to say is for people, younger people, he's who they grew up with. He's like the guy yeah. who helped them get into hockey. He's their face of the Flyers. Like when I he's think the reason about the I'm Flyers into logo. Yeah, that, that's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's like, I remember... <sighs> I don't know. It was after I graduated high school, I started getting into more because I used to be strictly football and that was it. I only cared about the Eagles. And then I started caring more about basketball and hockey. Baseball, I still don't care about in any way, shape or form. But like I was looking at the Sixers and I was looking at the Flyers. And at the time, the Sixers were just so (laughs) hysterically bad. Like it was around the time like the Andrew Bynum situation was going on. Drew Holiday was the best player on the team. And he's he was he's an awesome player. But, like, if he's the best player on the team, it's like, damn, your team sucks at. Well, that's why the process happened, because Drew Holiday and, like, Thad Young were really the key guys on your team. And they right. were sneaking into the eighth spot and barely making the playoffs and getting blown out in the first round. Right. And so I saw them, like, they at the time, they were literally beginning the process. They were like, all right, we're going to suck. And they were, like, tanking purposely. And then the Flyers were, like, not what they were when they went to the Stanley Cup, but, like, they were good. They were fun. They were interesting. And they had legitimately one of the best players in the world at the time in Claude Giroux. And it was so easy to get on board with the Flyers because at least you knew there was that one guy on the team who's, like, he's going to draw you you're gonna he's gonna get you out of your seat every single night you know what i mean doing something really cool flyers don't have that now which sucks a lot and it it, i can't wait for the next claude Giroux, quote unquote to like come in and draw in a new era of flyers fans but i who knows when that'll happen maybe next year there were a couple things you could count on for the better part of the past decade of Flyers hockey, and that would be Claude Giroux doing some cool shit with the puck, and Wayne Simmons doing something oh. fun, either blowing up somebody's spot or beating the shit out of somebody or yeah. scoring a great goal. Like, Wayne Simmons every night was bringing it. Jake Voracek would usually have a couple snazzy moves. Like, there was always... And Shane Gostisbehere, oh, when that ghost bomb was going off, oh, the best. When that slapper from the point. Yeah, 2013... To 2016 were like some really fun years for the Flyers, I feel like. Like, even though they didn't make it far into the playoffs, they didn't even win a series at the, during those years. Like, they were still fun to watch because you did have Giroud doing crazy stuff all the time. You had Ghost just going ham in his rookie year. You had Wayne Simmons taking his shirt off and fighting people in the middle of the ice. And like, it was just like, it was fun. The flyers are always like interesting at that time. And now there's nothing interesting about them. There really is that. I never... Except for the, honestly, the most interesting thing about the flyers right now. And 
I'm going to be honest. I wasn't expecting to talk about the Flyers this much, and I feel (laughs) dirty doing it. But, like, the most interesting thing about the Flyers right now is John Tortorella, the new coach. And so the more I think about this whole, quote-unquote, aggressive retool and how much it wasn't an an aggressive retool, personnel, player-wise, it was not. I think John Tortorella was, like, the key piece of the, quote, aggressive retool. And no one was thinking that, that would be the case, but I think that's, I, I think that's what Flyers management thinks is like the the key thing there, which makes the aggressive retool an aggressive retool, is the coach. That's really sad. It's dumb. I don't agree with it. It's but like, sad. And they're they're like really banking on Tortorella to be the guy that makes the Flyers better. Like that's it. They literally they're <laughs> essentially running it back. With the team they had before, aside from Tony D'Angelo. The team that was one of the worst teams in the league. Yes. They are essentially bringing back the worst team, one of the worst teams in the league, featuring Tony D'Angelo with John Tortorella's head coach and saying, all right, we're good now because Torts is here and we have Tony D'Angelo. That's really sad. I... You know, I, I, I've i said this a couple times in recent weeks, but, like, Ed Snyder would be really pissed off by this plan. He would yeah. be furious about this plan. He'd be furious that they didn't get Gaudreau. He, he absolutely would have made sure Gaudreau came home. It was such a slam dunk that Chuck Fletcher said, nah, we need toughness. <laughs> I hate this. Gotta thing. be hard to play against, Steve. Yeah, you gotta be real hard to play against. The whole team of Ristos. Ristos. <laughs> What is the origin of that? When you say Risto, Delco accent. So Delco. Oh, is that what? (laughs) Delco slash Philly accent. You know, they got the exaggerate. Like, uh, you know where I'm going for summer break? I'm going to Mexico. Like that. You know. Uh, When they say hoagies. Hoagie, yeah. Yeah. Go go get me a hoagie down at the Wawa. Like you know something like that. Going down to the shore. Gonna have some hoagies. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go down the shore in two weeks, and there's not gonna be a flight probably in two weeks. But you know, no, it's the Philly O right there, which I learned about when I first got to college. And my teacher for broadcast 101 said, "Okay, we're gonna work on fixing those Philly O's for learning your non-regional diction." And I said, "What are you talking about, lady? I don't understand. What's a Philly O? I had no idea." And then I learned that I said Mexico weird and other words that have O in it, and I. Like, I always knew Wooder was wrong growing up. I right, always yeah. knew that. Because it's obviously wrong if you watch <laughs> anything on television. They all say, water, water, water. Not, hey, I need a glass of water. Like, nobody's saying it like that, Philly. Come on. Right. I knew that was wrong. But I didn't know I had weird little accent things like saying Mexico weird. Or, like, I, I actually, the first time I was cognizant of any accent, was when I went to Florida as a teenager and the woman checking us in said, you from Philadelphia? And we're like, yeah, how can you tell? And she's like, your accent. I'm like, what accent, lady? And now, yeah. <laughs> uh, I very much recognize the accent these days. But ever since college, when I first learned about the Philly O and you know other things like, the one that really got us that we had trouble with was uh, the T. So saying stuff like uh, Atlantic City, and instead of just saying like oh, Atlantic City, something like that, with uh, where it's more of a D sound. So Atlantic City, Atlanta. Oh, that's weird, huh? I didn't know that was a thing. Atlanta. I don't think I have an accent. So, uh, I feel like are, my ex. Phillies are playing the playing the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, 
Atlanta Braves. Atlanta or like Braves. Some people maybe would say Toronto. Where like Toronto. I would just say Toronto. Yeah. Toronto. I feel like I took a quiz where it tells you like where your accent is from, and I got like no particular. It was like, oh, you got a little California, you got a little, you know, New York, you got a little every. And I'm like, okay, interesting. It's a little different nowadays where I, I think a lot of those regional accents are dying down a little bit in modern eras because people are hearing different voices on line so often these days, whereas right, opposed yeah. to just hearing the people in your neighborhood. So because we're communicating more, we, I think, are breaking down a little bit more of these accents. So you're not hearing them as much as you used to. Here's a question for you, Steve. How do you say the past tense version of win? One. What is that? One. Like, I won the game. Okay. Everyone makes fun of me. Because I say it like won. Like, I won the game. Oh, like uh, like the name Juan? Yeah, like... like so you do have an accent then. <laughs> like Juan Castillo. Juan Castillo. Oh, lineman coach of the Eagle. Like I say, Juan. Like you I mean, defensive game. coordinator Juan or Castillo. Yeah, yeah. No, he was the old lineman coach. He never should have been defensive coordinator. <laughs> he was stupid. both. He was both. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing ever. It was stupid. Did, was that a Chip Kelly thing? No, that was an Andy Reid thing. Yeah, that was really. That weird. was the last gasp of Andy Reid, where he's like, "Oh yeah, my <laughs> buddy Juan Castillo can do this," and he he could not. He was like, "Well, he knows how offensive linemen think, so if he knows what they're thinking." He'll tell the defensive linemen what they're thinking, and they'll know what to do to get to the quarterback and get a sack. Oh, baby. Narrator. It did not work. It did not. It did not. No, it did not work. Juan Castillo, not very good. Uh, Good offensive line coach, though. Good. And apparently he's with Washington and Ron Rivera these days. How about that? Wow. Oh, wow. But what were we talking about we're we're talking about accents accents, non-regional diction let me talk about my non-regional diction we're talking about the flyers being bad and we we know they're not gonna be good this year but who might be good this year will the bruins be good because they're running back a couple of their retreads right now and patrice bergeron is back on a criminally low deal i i feel like this is tampering i feel like this is illegal in so many ways a one-year 2.5 million dollar deal for patrice fucking bergeron are you shitting me there's no way they should be allowed to get away how do they keep getting away with this it doesn't make any sense one of the best two-way players in the league a a top center on most teams in this league and he's making 2.5 and he's just like you know no big deal. I've made plenty of I know of he's old. He's Get past paid, his prime. son! But he's old and he's past his prime, but he's still Patrice Bergeron. It's not like he's a bad hockey player worth $2.5 million now. Like, he's he still... could get 7 mil for most teams. Yes, he could. Yes, he could. And he should get 7 mil. 2.5 is crazy. I don't... I'm, I'm very angry about this. Except I shouldn't be because I don't give a shit because I know <laughs> the Flyers ain't going to be competing for that wild card spot. And I don't care if they do. This team stinks. Get Bedard. Blow it for Bedard. They Blow also it for brought Bedard. Blow it for Bedard. They also brought back David Krejci on a one-year, one million dollar deal. He played overseas last year, right? Yeah, he played in uh, the Czech Republic. Yeah. So I mean, also a good player. I was kind of shocked to see Krejci even step away from the team. So, but the thing is, like, I don't know. These are 
fine moves, but I don't, I, I still feel like the Bruins are kind of spiraling down the toilet a little bit. You know, they get a little worse each year because they don't really bring in too much young talent to replace these guys like Bergeron. This might be Bergeron's last year, and they don't really seem to have a plan to replace him. Now, I personally have a great plan for them, and I think other people have, you know, posited this elsewhere, but you know who's a Boston guy who's perfect to be your top-line center after Bergeron retires? His name's Kevin Hayes, baby. Oh! Oh, you you know what would be even better, Steve? What if they traded for Kevin Hayes and he took over as the top line center for the Bruins? And then, you know what, you know what you need? If you're going to have a top line center of that caliber, you got to have a good defenseman too. Oh, you do. You sure someone, do. Someone who is good, really good on the power play with a history of being good on the power play. He scored and 17 be- goals one year. Yes. And someone who... Perhaps it's even from Boston. Wait. I'll tell you who's still available, Steve. <laughs> We're talking about two different people. Okay, yes. Who's still available? Who's out there? The man. The myth. Some say the legend. Keith Yandel, baby. Keith Yandel? That's not... I did not think you were going for Keith Yandel. Keith Yandel is available. He's a Boston boy. And he's think of how he would Hayes. change the Bruins for the better. So why don't we just, you know, why don't they just take all the Boston guys and then <laughs> I'm telling you, just take Kevin Hayes. Okay. And then he can play with his buddy, Brad Marchand, and then he can bring in his buddy, Keith Yandel, and then you can have the gang back together. I thought you were talking to, I thought, I thought you were trying to talk Boston into taking Ivan Provorov off our hands because <laughs> oh, God. as we know, he's a superior power play player. He put up 17 goals one season, guys. Come on. I mean, how do you top it? How do you top it? And then I thought you were talking about TDA for a bit. And <laughs> I take him, please. Take them both. Take, you, I mean, he would be a fit there, probably. Take the whole goddamn team, as far as I'm concerned right now. You know? But, listen. Bergeron's going to retire. Kevin Hayes is perfect. How? A homecoming. Imagine bringing a talented hockey player home. It's just too perfect of a storyline. wonder what it's like. I can't imagine what it's like, and uh, I'm so envious of Columbus for the first time in my life. But the they other didn't big... even bring him home either. They didn't even yeah. bring him no, home. They brought He's him... not even from there. He's next state over and closer to Pittsburgh than he is over here. It's really weird. And then the, the other NHL story of a team that is supposed to be good, but probably won't be, is Vegas Golden Knights got some rough news this week. Yes, Robin they Lehner, did is going to miss the entire season after getting hip surgery. The entire season. And this is the same Vegas Golden Knights that traded Marc-Andre Fleury after winning the Vesna for basically nothing. Not even a full month after winning the Vesna, they traded him away. So, it's... And they traded him for someone who's never going to play in the NHL. Probably. And if he does play in the NHL, it won't be for long. So, I don't like dude, the Golden Knights are like. We've talked about this before. Like maybe I can't remember if it was on this podcast or another one, but like before this, I was like, yeah, Vegas will still probably be good. But like, and I even after this, I still think they'll. Pro- I feel like they could make the playoffs, but like they don't have a goalie right now. I will say they have Logan Thompson, who's probably going to be like their number one goalie now. 
with Robin Lanner out. And he did play pretty, pretty admirably at the end of the season. Like he was dragging the Golden Knights, kicking and screaming, like as far as he could. But like he wasn't enough. And he's a 25 year old dude, undrafted free agent. Like, is he re- is he ready for this? I don't think he is. Are you ready for this? They're not. Uh, just Robin Lehner. That is rough news right there. And here's my Hips question for you about Ro- which, as a goaltender, is about as bad as it gets. Ray Emery struggled for years with hip injuries, and that basically yeah. is why Ray Emery went from being one of the most dominant, if not, you know, again, I'm talking earlier about guys who had some issues. Ray Emery was one of those guys, and the hip injuries really, you know, torpedoed his career. Now, my question for you, if, say, you're an alternate version of Chuck Fletcher, who's smart enough to know when to fold him and not when to (laughs) fold him, do you call Vegas right now and you say, listen up, I got this guy Carter Hart, okay? You give me all your first round picks for the next, like, three, four years, and you can have Carter Hart. Do you do it? I don't think so. Maybe. Maybe. Like, it's not going to happen because Chuck thinks this team's ready to compete. They're going to win the cup next year. (laughs) Yeah, they're not trading Carter. I can tell you, especially right now. Like, they're not trading anybody right now because they think that everyone on the team is too valuable for their uh, Right, they couldn't couldn't clear out a a Travis Konechny to bring in a Johnny Gautreaux. But if you were a more enterprise, you know, we're talking alternate universe flyers where sell, 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 baby. Let's start anew. And at this point, like... I would absolutely try to get everything I could for Carter Hart. You could get a King's Ransom. You could get an Eric Lindros trade for Carter Hart right now because they that's a team that is set up to win right now, and they need a goaltender. They need a starting goaltender. Actually, it'd be hilarious if they tried to trade for Marc-Andre Fleury at this point. I think what's going to end up happening is they're going to go into the season and say one or two things is going to happen. Either they're going to trade for someone right now or like maybe they'll go into the season and say all right logan thompson like let's see what you got this is your time and like if it's just if it just ain't working after like a month maybe they would trade for someone but like i i don't know who i've seen um john gibson's name being thrown around a lot it's an interesting one it is interesting but like that would be so weird for the ducks to do because i feel like the ducks are getting really close to being a fun good team you know like we saw at the beginning of last season yeah, like, Gibson's in his prime right now, and he probably almost... How, how old is John Gibson at this point? I think he's like 29. Right, so he's pretty much almost done in his prime. And he's somebody who's already starting to see some injury issues. Honestly, the Ducks should pull the trigger on that. I don't think Gibson is going to be one of those guys who plays until he's like 38 or something like that. And I don't know if you can really wait around for your team to catch up with him. So yeah. I would make that trade in a heartbeat if I was the Ducks. And the Knights should make that trade because the Knights are a team that is seeing their window closing rapidly and they're about to get their fingers all jammed up in that window. And they need to figure out something right now because I, I don't think Glogan Thompson is going to win you. A cup. And the Western Conference is weak as shit. It's so you bad. Can, you have a chance to make a run. I mean, you're not on Colorado's level, but... You still have a chance, and if you can get a goaltender, and Gibson, I think, is actually... This makes too much sense to not happen. Yeah. Like, the only thing that 
to me wouldn't make sense it's just like what if the ducks think that they just what if they think they really do have it now you know and they decide you know (sighs) what we need a goalie because if they trade John Gibson, who's their who's their other goalie? Like I don't even know who their backup is. They'll figure it out. They're not a team that's built to compete now. They're they're probably I think another year and a couple more pieces away from really being in the mix again. Because I agree, but like it's not like goalies are just easy to find, right? But you also have to oh be my realistic God. about. I just sorry to interrupt you, Steve. I just noticed. I, I can't believe I forgot. I know who their backup is. Stolars the Golars, baby. See, exactly. You've got the successor <laughs> waiting right there in the wings. Clear future Hall of Famer Anthony Stolars. Is he also 29? He's 28 years old. I knew he was up there. Yeah. But that trade would make sense. Definitely for Vegas. And um, I, I think Anaheim just needs to assess exactly where they are. But also, Vegas needs... like. I'm not sure how much cap room, how they'd be able to make that work cap wise. I think they have negative 6 million on the cap. Yeah. But then they also have Shea Weber's contract. And I presumably. <laughs> I forgot about that. By the way, I <laughs> yeah. wasn't, I wasn't that far off. I made a shot in the dark there. Their projected cap space is negative $5,794,643. No, you were like pretty much on the nose. Um, but they have that contract and presumably now Robin Lanner's contract, which are going to be an LTIR which frees up a little extra money for them. So what? I guess with all that, they'd have seven million. I mean, they could make it work, but they also still have some RFAs that they need to sign too. And one of them is expected to get something of a raise, perhaps not a significant raise, but something of a raise. Great. And Robin Lehner, by the way, making $5 million a year, so they better hope he bounces back strong from that hip surgery, which can be very troubling for goaltenders. Dude, it's, I don't know. It's a bad, it's a bad place for Vegas right now. Again, I still, the West is so bad that I still think they can make the playoffs, but like, yikes, 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 yikes. Their whole model for the off season has to be like, you got to get a goalie, you know? What's Cam Talbot up to? Is he disgruntled in Minnesota or did he go somewhere no. else? He's joined our friend and former teammate, Claude Giroux. In Ottawa. How <laughs> about that? Ottawa, man. They, they, they're not going to make a playoffs this year, but they might be fun to watch. I think they're going to be a lot of... I think this year's Auto team is going to be what last year's Ducks team was. Like, the first half of the season, the Ducks were, like, really fun. And, you know, you had Trevor Zegras doing crazy wizard stuff with the puck. <laughs> and this year, you're going to have Giroux and Brinkett and Kachuk. And, like, it's just... I don't know. The vibes... Seem impeccable in Ottawa this year for the first time in <laughs> forever. The vibes are nice. They're definitely nice. Now, you know who has vibes, but I wouldn't necessarily call them nice vibes. Our friend Evgeny Malkin. We spent a good <laughs> chunk of last week talking about Evgeny Malkin's Lion King cake. And I got a DM from Jared who said, as a Penguins fan, the discussion about Malkin's cake absolutely rocked. FYI, though, dude has like custom made alien versus predator statues in his mansion in Pittsburgh. And he's just a fucking weirdo. <laughs> Thank you, Jared. I'm sorry. You're a Pittsburgh fan, but you, well, you know, you've won a bunch of cups, so I guess it's not too sorry for you, but you know, I appreciate you listening and enjoying the bit. And we enjoyed talking about Evgeny Malkin's weird lion King cake. <laughs> and apparently the cake boss has a 
a history of having some weird cakes. Did you check out the cake at the link I put in the outline here? I don't think I've seen... Wait, wait, wait. A cake at the link? No, no. You're... I... There's a link in the outline. Oh, sorry. I thought you were saying... I'm okay. not talking about I'm... Lincoln Financial Field where the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles play Go say, Birds. What are you talking about? Oh, what is going on here? You gotta click. You gotta click on it. You gotta click. What on is? It. You gotta give. So, like, what's he putting in his mouth? I don't know. That's such a weird thing to say out of context. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a penguin. So, this cake that I have sent him is from Malkin's twenty eighth birthday, where the cake boss has a cake of himself and a bunch of penguins. The cake oh has a Malkin on the cake. The funniest thing about this is, like, the picture on the left, he's just like, wow, I got a cake. And then the picture on the right, he's eating a, the head off of a penguin, and he's covered in cake. He's just covered in cake and biting the head off a penguin. Like, he's got <laughs> cake in his hair. It's a weird dude. He's right. What Jared happened? was right. It is a weird dude. <laughs> a friend of mine lives in Pittsburgh, and he was sure he was driving next to Malkin one day when he was driving into the city for work. I mean, you're... Gonna be pretty and sure he, if you're next to the creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he looked and he was like, "Oh, I know he, I knew that face the second I saw it." And I was like, "Yep, yeah, that's definitely Malkin. That damn face. <laughs> I'll never forget it." Oh my god! And then there's a picture of I found a picture of one of his alien statues from the film Alien, and I'm having trouble because it looks like there's two of the same figure here, but I think the one on the right is Evgeny Malkin. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, now let me look at this one again, because that's what I was looking at before. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be oh. hard to decipher, because it yeah. looks like twins, but I think the one on the right is Malkin. The only thing that gives it away is that one of them is clearly a statue, and the other one seems to have some sort of organic, um, like, you know, wrap around them. One would call it skin. <laughs> and that that's what gives it away but like man if they were both the exact same color who's to tell not me <laughs> do you think Vulcan's just his mansion is just like weird memorabilia or do you think he's just specifically obsessed well, with like do you think he's got an alien room with like little face hugger cocoons and things like that it's got mist i was gonna say so like this is the outside of his mansion and it looks like the movie the haunted mansion outside it looks terrifying it is and Pittsburgh. I it is. But and I don't see the house, but I can only imagine this house looks like the house from um season four of Stranger Things. It's yes, just like yes, this terrifying, obviously. decrepit, like and then you got this alien statue. It looks it literally looks like one of those monsters from um from uh, Stranger Things. I'm sure this the guy from Stranger Things is based on the alien from Alien. Oh yeah. But I feel like dude, we figured it out. He lives in the underground or in the uh, the upside down. Well, yeah, and he's trying to get back there. And he, what he's trying to do by getting all these alien and predator statues is surround himself with <laughs> with familiar faces. <laughs> yeah, equally uh, equally beautiful faces. Equally you know. beautiful faces, exactly. Yeah, that's what he needs. That's what he needs. It's, and then, oh, it's, I think I see in the background there's Eddie Munson playing Metallica. Perfect. Oh, uh, dude, what a scene. Eddie Munson. <laughs> what a guy. I, that guy's living the dream. He got to meet Metallica and play Master of Puppets with them. And, like, what a life. 
So, <laughs> okay. Master. So I'm just, I'm just on Google right now, just looking up Evgeny Malkin funny. And I'm just like... <laughs> Evgeny Malkin funny? Yeah. And I'm just sending you a bunch of things now. Oh, boy. Malkin. 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 Oh, it's oh him God. with a fish? Oh, he's got two fish. Let's see. We got cross-eyed Malkin. You know, I thought a lot of these were going to be funnier, but none of them are. Oh, here's a very odd one. Oh, boy. That's the, that's the problem on. when you Google something that has funny, is it actually doesn't have anything that's funny. Yeah, I know. It looks like he's uh, taking a Ducerino on the ice there. But he's, like, doing it horizontally. Well, you know, that's how he goes. That's what they do in the Upside Down, is they lay on their back with a hockey stick uh, under yeah. their butt, and, you know, it's, uh, it happens, it's a squatty happens. potty when you have that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Here's Oh, man. Okay, here's one in, in a giant uh, football outfit. A giant a football outfit. That, that's the most old lady phrase you've ever said. A giant football <laughs> outfit. It, oh, okay. So it's Malkin it's a behind a cutout of a very large pit player. And it does look like he's just like in like a... It's a that's actually his human suit that he pilots. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, if you combine Evgeny Malkin with Ben Roethlisberger, that's what you got. Uh, nobody wants that. That's not good. That's not it's, good. That, that's, that's truly a Frankenstein creation. I, right I don't. There. That's not good. That's not a good thing for this. We world. should edit that. We'll edit that part out so the people don't have to imi- have that image in their head. No, oh, we can. You know, we don't have to edit anything. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to. Definitely not. Like... <laughs> I'm too tired to edit stuff. It's not going to. I happen. want the. I want the listeners to think that we care about them. I don't. I mean, I do. <laughs> wah, wah. It's getting steamy uh, in my basement. Oh, my God. Oh, it's getting steamy. Oh, baby. All this Malkin talk is getting me all hot, let me say. Oh, no. speaking of, you know, ugly people, and I shouldn't say this because he's not necessarily ugly, but his hairdo was ugly. But we don't have to worry about it anymore because it's gone. Our old friend Patrick Laine, his hair is gone. Oh, Patrick Laine finally broke bad. And as... <laughs> You said in the Slack, when you sent me this picture, Line A looks like a combination of Walter White and Jesse Pinkman, because he shaved his head, and he's still got, like, a thin mustache. And it's yeah. a super weird look. I don't know what has been going on with Patrick Line A in Columbus, but I'm excited to see where this evolution <laughs> is going to go. He's, like, reaching peak. Like, like the vibes are impeccable right now of... With Patrick Laine. Ever since, honestly, ever since, oh God, I don't want to say it. Ever since Torts left Columbus, Laine is just loving it. He's loving life. Oh, I mean, Laine has year, been living it up. Yeah, he's yeah. got the super razor thin mustache. He's doing whatever he wants. No he one, can, no one can knock him off of his game. That's what happens when you get to hang out with Jake Voracek all day, every day. Oh, uh, Steve, if I could hang out with Jake Voracek for one day. The carnage. Oh, man. <laughs> I'd have a tie-dye suit. A tie-dye tuxedo. Are you shitting me? I would get a tie-dye tuxedo with Jake Voracek, and I would get a perm. And you get a perm. Wow. wow. Yeah. And then I'd get those sunglasses that, like, when you put them on, it looks like eyeballs. Oh, like the lenses. Oh, there are... we go. Yeah, it's like the, the springy eyeballs that are coming out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great. There you go. Just go as wacky as possible. I'm sure Voracek... Voracek would probably take one look at you and go, the fuck is this? <laughs> Join me, Jake. No, J- Jake... 
Jake enables like this kind of uh, nonsense, but <laughs> he doesn't perpetrate this kind of nonsense. No, this is true. Yeah. Yeah. Unless he's at a uh, unless he's at a boss concert. I just remember him being there with Uncle Bruce, Bruce Springsteen with uh, Radko Gudas, and he's just wet screaming into the mic. Oh, hell yeah. Run. That's, you know, that's because they, these are men of discerning taste. I hope I see them both at the, the next show in Philly in March, even though that wouldn't make any sense for them to be at the next show in Philly in March. When do you think the Flyers are going to hire Radko Gudas as like a full-time employee? He's still with the Florida Panthers playing. I think he's like their number two defenseman. I know, but like, it's going to happen. You assume, but he might be a Panther for life. He could be. They might love him. But like, I don't know. Dale Weiss. Dale Weiss? The Dutch Gretzky? (laughs) He's basically a flyer for life. Dale Weiss. How long was he he a flyer? But Dale, like two years. Uh, Dale Weiss doesn't have a job with the Flyers currently, though. No. Yeah, you're right. I can uh, see it, though. The Flyers, the Flyers will hire almost anybody immediately. See more in comma Sam. This is true. Yes. But you know what? I'm happy for Sam Moran, though. Sure, sure. No, the Flyers... Because, like, what happened to him just sucked. It the Flyers have a history of treating their alumni well, except for when Ron Hextall's in their locking doors. But... Yeah. You know, they, they are a franchise that's known for giving guys jobs as soon as they retire from playing ice hockey. But only the guys they like. Right. Only the guys they like. Now, Quiggs, we're coming up. It's August. September's around the corner. It's almost football season, okay? And yeah. one of the things that football season brings, and this is an unfortunate side effect, is... And I deal with this also in March Madness, but I'm forced to take in promos for... Some spectacularly shitty CBS sitcoms, okay? CBS is a network that has basically been trying to kill me my entire life. And (laughs) every time I have to see a promo for a CBS show, I audibly groan. And unfortunately, watching football, it's almost enough to make me quit football. Because watching (laughs) football in March Madness, I am exposed to these. And when there's certain games that aren't on Red Zone or something, I need to just stick with it and take in the shitty promos. So I have a game for you this week, and this is much in the the uh, the mold of the holiday movie spectacular, you know, where we're trying to guess which one's real and fake. And this is uh, with the, the CBS shows for the fall. So I'm going to give you two shows, okay? And you need to tell me which of the two is real and which is fake. So please wait until I have finished both descriptions before telling me which is real and which is fake. I'm excited. This is This is awesome. All right. First up. So again, wait till I say both shows before answering here. Yeah. First up, we got Hot Toddy. A single (laughs) firefighting father of three takes on the world of online dating after deciding to move on to a new new phase of his life. So is it Hot Toddy or is it So Help Me Todd? A talented (laughs) PI agrees to work as the in-house investigator for his mother, who is reeling from the recent, recent dissolution of her marriage. The first one's the real one. So Hot Toddy's real, so help me Todd is fake. Is that true? You're wrong! Oh, wow. So help me Todd. So help me Todd is a real show coming to CBS this fall. Did you just make up Hot Toddy? I did. Dude, you should be 
like a writer, creative person for CBS. You'd think. I could probably would crank out like 25 CBS shows this afternoon. And <laughs> <laughs> so Help Me Todd is a real CBS show that's coming out. Oh, man. Wow. All right. Okay. Well, now I, I feel for one to watch it now. You're 0 for 1, but we'll see if you can recover with our next pair. So, okay. first up, we have Fire Country. A young convict joins a firefighting program looking for redemption and a shortened prison sentence. He and other inmates work alongside elite firefighters to extinguish massive blazes across the region. Is it fire country or is it Crook County? Cook County desperately needs volunteers to help at-risk youth in Chicago find their way. Who better to help than some white-collar criminals looking for a little time off their sentence for good behavior? Crook County takes the concept of snobs versus slobs to a whole new level. Is it Fire Country or Crook County? I'm going to say Fire Country is the real show. Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. So you are one and one. Fire Country, which is one of the worst titles I have ever seen for a show. Terrible title. I knew that was it because... I know that you would have come up with a more interesting title. I, I, I think an ape with a typewriter would come up with a more interesting <laughs> title than Fire Country. And this, so Evgeny what? Malkin with a typewriter? Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then, <laughs> like, a young convict joins a firefighting program and a shortened prison. Jesus Christ. What a show. What a <laughs> this show. This is so weird. Oh, my God. I got one more for you. I got one yeah. more, and I think you're going to come out a winner, but we're going to see. I love if this. You're come out I love this. We need to do this a lot. This is fun. Oh, I'll do this more. I love making these. So, we got <laughs> two of them, okay? We got two. Yes. Is it Survivor Gilligan's Island? Seven people band together in the roles of the iconic sitcom and try to survive on a deserted <laughs> island for three months. Can a skipper, first mate, Wall Street millionaire, New York socialite, Hollywood movie star, professor, and wholesome Kansas Fire Girl make things work to win $7 million? Or is it the real love boat? Singles sail the Mediterranean on a luxury cruise ship looking for love as destination dates, challenges, and surprise singles test the couple's compatibility and chemistry. I think the real love boat is the real one. The love boat is the real one. You are correct. (laughs) Survivor Gilligan's Island is an absurd fantasy I came up with that I would like to see because I think people would be miserable and try to kill each other within a month. Well, that's why I want that to be the real show, though. It should be the real show. I I saw the real love boat and I said, this is such a stupid, stupid (laughs) show. And it sounds like every other friggin' reality dating show out there right now. And survivor gilligan's island would be a spinoff of one of their most popular shows and it's gilligan's island come on you know it's perfect yeah right it's there. awesome yeah yeah <laughs> so yes you 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 win the day you win the the cbs sitcom fall premiere challenge yes we have a winner 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 i winner. actually have a trivia question for you now oh because so wow. i finally i finally looked up uh rod Brindamore's middle name okay what do you think it is? Cornelius. <laughs> I'll give you one more guess. Tiberius. <laughs> Roderick Tiberius Brindamore. That needs to Cornelius Tiberius needs to be someone's name. That's my gonna be my firstborn son. Cornelius, Cornelius Tiberius. Tiberius. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, his middle name is Jean. 
Jean. That's actually that checks out. Roderick Jean Brindamore. It's it's spelled J E A N. So it might yeah, be no, that's Jean. Jean. No, but that's I think Jean. it's Jean. yeah. It's Jean. No, that's Jean. That's Canada. That is some French Canadian stuff right there, my friend. Because Canada. Because it's Jean Jean Luc Picard. Yeah, of course, of course, right there. You know, Jean Luc Picard. Jean. A lot of bald coming up today. A speaking lot of, bald. of Picard. What? I've been f- speaking of Picard. I know. I heard you. I was just shocked that you had a Picard transition here. Engage. What is it? I've just been thinking about Calvin Pickard recently. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Why? I, I think I brought him reasons. up. A I remember. I remember he was like the big name goalie that the Golden Knights. Well, aside from Mark Andre Fleury, like yeah, he's big name goalie. But like, I remember the Golden Knights signed Calvin Pickard, and there was this whole thing like, oh, like Calvin Pickard's gonna unveil his his first ever goalie mask for the Golden Knights and help oh you know whatever, and um, people like designed it, and that was like the first big like thing the golden knights did for fans for one of their players and um so there was that and then he literally never played a game for the golden knights which was very funny and then i was just thinking about the year the flyers had 19 goalies play for them and calvin pickard was one of the lucky few oh we few we lucky few (laughs) the lucky dozen and a half people well, Cal Pickard was also one of the dozen guys who had gritty themed goaltender helmets while he played with the Flyers. Calvin Pickard does have good helmet game. Like his helmet game has always been solid. Like the Golden Knights helmet he had was pretty cool. His Flyers helmet was pretty cool. That's pretty much it, though. That's all he's got yeah. going on because he's Cal Pickard. That was. <laughs> that's what oh, you know. I know why I was thinking about. Oh, no, never mind. I'm on the edge. Yeah, of no, seat. never mind. You got to tell me why. Uh, so for a second, I was going to say for a second, I got Cal Pickard mixed up with um, Ben Scrivens. <laughs> and I just remember Ben Scrivens had this one game in like 2014 or something where he had a 59 save shutout against the Sharks. And like, I remember I needed someone from my fantasy hockey team that night, like as a goalie. And I was like, ah, I'll get, I'll get Scrivens. We'll see what happens. And we'll then see what happens. I checked the score later that night. And I was like, twenty points or nineteen point eight points. What in the what in tar nation is going on over there? What in tar I, nation? And then I and then I saw. I was like, wow, fifty nine save shutout. <laughs> I'm just glad you're speaking like an eighteen hundreds prospector when you're playing fantasy hockey. <laughs> <laughs> what in tar nation's going on in that mine? Do you think dogs, like old dogs, instead of saying what in tarnation, do you think they say what in Dalmatian? Oh, my God. We got to end it. That uh, <laughs> Oh, my God. Quigs, what are you doing <laughs> to me, my man? What are you doing? Oh, God. I'm uh, saying whatever I want today, Steve. You are. No you're rules. A, no, ru- that's no rules on the flight. There are no rules on the flight, you know, as we tried to convey to, to Charlie on Twitter last week is... This is why we're successful. I use successful very loosely because that it's is almost as if it's almost as if not talking about the Flyers is better for your mental health. You just talk about whatever you feel like on a given day. And that's how you end up recording an hour 15 where you talk about Cake Boss Malkin and making CBS fake CBS shows. And that's that's how it goes right there. And yeah, of course, 
you talk about whatever you want, and that's your hockey podcast. And <laughs> success. We did. T- we talked a lot more about the Flyers than we anticipated today. Uh, like yeah, we were we supposed about the Flyer- to talk about non Lindros talk. We talked about the current Flyers team for what, like five minutes, and I think which that was, was like we anticipated zero modern. Yeah, <laughs> we were expecting five minutes less of actual current team, current Flyers talk. Yes. Yes, we were not anticipating at all. There's no current Flyers talk on the outline at all. Absolutely none. Which is good. I wish we could be like that forever. But it is good. I we, wish we, we got jobs to do. We got jobs. We do to have do, jobs. Steve. To do. We're working men. We are sadly, and we're gonna. I gotta get back to it soon. But before we go, just wanted to get back. I did this last summer. Wanted to bring that back for our few remaining weeks of uh, summer podcasting this year with little pop culture media suggestion of the week. What are you watching? What are you enjoying? What are you listening to? All that fun stuff. So I haven't watched this for a minute because it hasn't been on for a minute, but I was reminded about this because I named last week's episode after something from the show. But my recommendation is Severance, which can be found on Apple TV+. Fantastic show. One of the, the most obsessive shows I have watched in recent history, where I was just pouring over every detail from that show and discussing it with James and Kelly in the Slack. And I wanted to do a podcast special about it at some point, but who has the time? I haven't found the time, but I wanted to come forward and just talk about Severance for a couple minutes. I mean, everybody's just what a cast on that show. Adam Scott doing some of the best work of his career. John Totoro, fantastic as always. Chris Walken, as weird as he always is. <laughs> ben Stiller's not on the show, but he produces the show. He's the, the creator and showrunner and everything and just crushing it. And it's, it's just got one of the, the greatest, like the, the feel of the show is just so odd. It is such a, I don't even know how to describe it to somebody who hasn't watched, but it's somehow both darkly funny and also just straight up dark and it's uncomfortable, but it's also very comforting. It has this combination of old tech and new tech and just everything is unsettling. I think unsettling is the word I want. And it's such a great commentary on modern working life and the things, especially if you've worked in an office at any point, really, you will understand a lot of the things that they touch on on severance and i don't know when they're coming back for a second season but i just cannot wait i mean there are mysteries in this that i don't think i've gotten obsessed with mysteries on a show like this since lost was on the air and it's been a while since lost was on the air yeah that sounds pretty good i haven't seen severance yet but everyone's talking about it and i have been seeing it a lot in the slack chat um and i feel inclined to watch it where can people watch severance it's an Apple TV Plus show right there. So when you're oh. you're logging on for your Ted Lasso binge every, you know, once a year when it happens, check out Severance while you're checking out Ted Lasso. And just to give you some background there. So uh, the last week's name, last week's episode was named Raffle Party. And there's something on Severance. <laughs> it's one of the uh, rewards for being a productive, good worker. It's called a Waffle Party. I'm not going to say any more beyond that, but I thought Raffle Party was a good name for last week's episode because we brought up Michael Raffle for like two whole minutes. Yeah, that's a very good. I didn't know. I was wondering what that was. I thought it was like, I thought you meant raffle. Like, you know. A, yeah, like a raffle. Prize like raffle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I, it was a Severance 
It was a severance reference that I was fully aware that not a lot of people were going to get. Did people get it? Some people got it, mostly James yeah. and Kelly from the Slack, but Okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah, some people got it and that, you know, the, the important people. No, I'm kidding. You're all important. You're all <laughs> wonderful. Yes. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have to check out Severance. Yeah. Sounds interesting. H- highest Steve recommendation right there is Severance. My recommendation is so you're more of a TV guy, I'm more of a music guy, and I'm just like I don't know. For me, I've been finding it a lot harder to find good bands now. Like now it's pretty easy to find good like rap music and some other more popular genres. But um, I feel like rock is slowly. I mean, I hate to say it. It's kind of dying a little bit. It's dying out. Um, It's been dying for a while as far as I'm concerned. Like I really have not enjoyed too many newer bands i again i could be wrong there could be some great stuff out there but i'm also old so for me to find and listen to new music is a struggle like i found (laughs) my new music from the past few years has been indie bands that were popular like 20 years ago right right yeah like i and i've been doing that a lot too i've been like going back in time to discover like you know really overlooked bands from back in like the 90s or whatever but um Recently, I discovered this new band um, called Julie, and they are a shoegaze, art rock, grunge band from, I believe, L.A., and dude, they rule. Like, they go, like, only hot people listen to Julie, so that's, oh, why, only you should, that's why you should listen to them, Steve. I'm not allowed to. I'm not, I'm not a hot person, so I'm not allowed to listen to you that stop, kind of music. You stop that right now, you. <laughs> Uh, they rock, man. Go listen to their um, their debut EP, Pushing Daisies, is so good. I have been listening to them a lot recently. And uh, it's like the best way I can describe them is it's like if you took Smashing Pumpkins, Sonic Youth, and My Bloody Valentine and mashed them into one band. That's kind of what they sound like. They're really, really, really good. Highly recommend um again debut ep pushing daisies i don't know this band i don't know the people in this band i just love them a lot right now and i just feel like they deserve recognition so you should go check them out if you like yeah if you like grungy um shoegazy type rock then you would probably love julie i do love some grunge so i'll check that out i i'm a, a grunge fanatic there's a a record store that opened up a couple months ago on Passionk Ave that specializes in like 80s 90s stuff and mm-hmm. I have been loving taking a little uh, trip in there every couple of weeks and seeing what they have to offer because I, I that's my one of my favorite eras of music right there is the like 80s 90s like grunge movement right there so uh, yeah anything that takes influence from that I am certainly willing to check out so yeah I'll, I'll certainly give them a listen hell yeah do it uh, if I had to make a, one more recommendation for them, it would be their song Flutter. They have a okay. song, a, sing, a single called Flutter that's not on their debut EP, um, but it's a single called Flutter, and it rocks my socks. Yeah, yeah! Yeah! Oh, oh, oh! Folks, that's all we got for you, and it was plenty, especially for a summer episode, which uh, are notorious for not having anything to talk about hockey-wise. So... That's it. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. Quicks, where can the people find you on Twitter? And you got anything to plug? 
at Ryan Quiggs. Um, that's where you can find me on Twitter. What can I plug? What can I plug? Uh, got a couple articles that I will be publishing in a couple weeks from now. Um, going to be doing the season review of God, just like one of the cornerstones of this Flyers franchise, Mr. James Van Riemsdyk. Um, that should be coming out. JVR. That should be coming out on Tuesday, August 23rd. And then just a couple short days after that on uh, August 26th, I will also be doing a review on Travis Sanheim season. And I'm genuinely looking forward to that one because he is a good player. (laughs) One of the few, the proud. (laughs) The Marines. Is he? Ever, I mean, he could be. I don't know. He's kind of no, but I just thought of that commercial. He doesn't look the proud. Oh, that, that's the pretty brilliant. much what I was going for. But I also did the the Shakespeare quote earlier with the with you. Uh, yeah, I'm tired. I gotta get going. It's steamy down here. It's real steamy in my basement today for some reason. All the humidity from the past week is just gathered in my basement. It's weird. <laughs> uh. Quigs, Ryan Quigs. You can find me at Fly Purpley or at Estebomb if it's for hockey purposes. Make it. Flyperbole, follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey, follow Flyperbole and Broad Street Hockey on the gram, the old Instagrams, and uh, I still haven't figured out what to do with the Flyperbole TikTok one of these days, but I'm also old, so maybe never. Folks, that's all we got for you. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow, 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 wow,